Hello and welcome back to the F2 show. We were predicting a chaotic weekend and Jeddah delivered yet again with another exciting weekend of action. I'm your host Fraser Ford and joining me to discuss all of the action from this weekend we have Formula 3 lead commentator Harry Benjamin, Inside F2 editor LA Wilshaw and Inside F2 writer Lawrence Griffin. Coming up on the show, we delve into an exciting weekend of action in Jeddah. We have a new and perhaps somewhat surprising championship leader. We discuss the driver and team standings and we answer your questions off the back of this weekend. Right, Harry, great to have you with us. Let's jump straight into it. Uh, I'm not sure if you were watching the the Formula 3 last weekend, but there was uh, some awfully dodgy commentating. Uh, Do you you know who that was? Nah, don't watch it, mate. It's boring. (laughs) Why would you bother? (laughs) Um, I was indeed, of course, watching the Formula 3 last weekend. A shame it doesn't go to Saudi Arabia, but I think that would have been an absolute uh, nightmare. 30 cars around the Saudi Arabian track might have been asking for trouble where it it was absolutely not necessary. So uh, a shame we didn't get any F3 action last weekend now. But yeah, no, it got off to a good start in Bahrain. So um, really pleased to be be on for it. Um, And then it's back for Imola round two. So there's a little bit of a wait till the next one. But... uh, first time going to Imola as well so that'll be a, a fun one to experience lovely we are of course joking you did a cracking job and uh yeah I'm sure everyone will agree are you are you heading out to Imola are you going out there or no no um to ruin the illusion I don't go to any of the races at the moment sadly uh <laughs> I do it from a lovely lovely studio um or a, a janitor's closet whichever one you want to uh, reference it to uh in biggin hill um so uh it's uh no it's a nice uh, commentary booth and it's quite handy being uk based it's quite nice in a way but also you know i've never been to a track to do a commentary ever so you know not certainly working for formula one so which is bizarre and i you know i don't really like it to be honest i'd much rather be there because I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure as you all know and, and as la knows as well being out um at the last couple of races you just get so much those little nuggets of information just from being there from talking to the drivers from talking to personnel that just feed your not necessarily commentary but just feed your whole understanding of of, a, of what's going on so um i'm hoping that that will soon sort of get back to normal eventually but you know, there's lots of pros that come from being based in the UK as well. But no Imola, unfortunately. Not yet, unless something changes. <laughs> Good stuff. It'll be fun regardless, won't it? And LA, obviously, out in Bahrain last uh, last weekend. Last weekend? It was last weekend, wasn't it? How was that? And uh, how have you enjoyed the, the start of the season? Yeah, it was really great. Um, I was out there for testing, um, first of all, and then was out there for the race as well, um, as I was out in Abu Dhabi last year for the testing too. So, you know, um, Harry's absolutely right. It is a very different experience being at the circuit, but I think it also depends on where you are at the circuit too. Um, You know, I was um, on a a nice balcony with a view of um, one of the straights and then had, had obviously a view of the screens where you could see um one with the on-track action one with the positioning of the drivers and it was really it was the first time I've ever 
watched a live race with the cars going past me and being able to translate that either way to the screen and from the screen to the track to then think right okay so they've overtaken them so when they come back round and sometimes you're counting the cars you know who's in p8 who's in p9 it's just translating perfectly it's just such a different experience um but i think regarding commentating i'm not sure that they always have a view of the track anyway even though i think on most occasions they they do you know um definitely for f1 anyway i think that you know they always go on about the window and, and having a look out the window and whatever so i think obviously that does help as well um but yeah i mean bahrain was 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 wonderful and what wonderful people wonderful country and fabulous to be in the paddock you know as as harry said again chatting just it's exactly right what he said it's not like you you're learning sort of great amounts of amazing knowledge but you're just picking bits up here and there here and there and you're getting so the personalities of the people and especially the drivers you know most times you see them with the helmets on especially the ones that don't necessarily always finish in the top three that you don't get to chat to and, and see in the press conferences so it's really just great just to see how it all operates how it happens what they do between sessions what are they doing hanging around doing fitness doing debriefs it's just all amazing to be there, really is, Fraser. Behind the scenes insight, love that. And Lawrence, obviously, Jeddah, uh, another exciting weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it really was. Um, I think we were expecting it. Um, what we were also expecting was a lot of red flags, which fortunately in the feature race we didn't have. Um, I think that was one of the aspects that most surprised me and that I most enjoyed that we got to see a proper full F2 race um, green most of the most of the way through, apart from a couple of uh, a couple of incidents, and no one seriously injured because that can be a dangerous track. So it was just brilliant to see action that wasn't controversial in, in which nobody got got hurt. I almost couldn't believe it. Uh, a whole race in Jeddah, like a red flag in Formula Two. It's uh, unbelievable, isn't it? So uh, I wish our best to Chembolic Bassi as well after that crash in in practice. Obviously, yeah. Meant that he missed the weekend, so wishing him all the best. Uh, let's take a look at the championship standings then. Felipe Drogovic jumps to the top of the standings after a brilliant weekend. He's closely followed by Liam Lawson. Another strong weekend for Richard Vashaw means that he sits third in the standings for Trident. Yuri Vips, Theo Porcher, and Jehan Derubula round out the top six. And the team standings. Hi-Tech moved to the top of the team standings with a five-point cushion going into Imola. Carlin and MP Motorsport are level on 43 points after the two rounds we've had so far. And Trident, Prima and ART round out the top six. All right, let's talk about our new championship leader then, Felipe Drugovic. Somewhat of a surprise championship leader, perhaps. But pole position, podium, victory, championship leader. I mean, he couldn't really ask for a... A better weekend, really, could he, Harry? No, not at all. And I really like Felipe. I think he he really deserves like a you know some some good results and and good headlines too. And you know we've always said in junior categories, especially in Formula Two, and especially so last year when we had um, the the free race format. You know, consistency is key. But regardless of what you do with the format. The better, the more consistent you are, you're always going to put yourself in the best possible position. And he's done that the most out of all the drivers so far. You know, nearly a, a 10 point lead already and, and scoring in every single race and, and two podiums, one win, and not just a win in a sprint race either, a win when it mattered, a win when the big points are up for grabs too, and a dominant win 
around a difficult track. So um, absolutely can take nothing away uh, from Felipe. Uh, and it, considering I don't, I don't, someone might prove me wrong on this. I don't think he got a win last year. Certainly not a feature win, perhaps. So I to have to start off the year so strongly and to be making that return to MP Motorsport as well. It just seems like he's he's in a really good place at the moment with his team. That he understands the car, he understands the people, and you know that's all you want, really, isn't it? And they're giving him the best possible chance to go uh, for this championship. You know, he's not backed by uh, a Formula One team. He's not in any academy. It's going to be a really difficult task, you know, to make that step up and put himself in the shop window for Formula One. I, I'm absolutely not discounting that that could ever happen. But what Formula Two also puts you on a, a platform for is for a career in any kind of top elite level of, of racing, whether that's sports cars, touring cars, endurance, you know. So he's putting himself in a really great shop window um, so early on in the season. But it's a very long season, uh, so anything can happen. But Felipe Drogovic absolutely off to a, a blinder of a start. Yeah, Felipe Drogovic and MP just just work, don't they? They just go together like you know, like bread and butter. Just it just works. Uh, is he a serious title contender, Harry? Do do you think that this is uh, you know he can he can keep this up for the rest of the season, or do you think it might be quite difficult when you know it's the longest season in Formula Two, isn't it? We've ever seen fourteen rounds. You know, Liam Lawson, Terry Porsche, they're going to be putting the pressure on, aren't they? Do you think he can sustain a title challenge? Yeah, it's so difficult to gauge so early on in this season. And I'm, I've asked that question to people already about Formula One and it's only two races in. You go, well, like anything, it's 23 race season, well, in F1 at least. So, you know, <laughs> how could you possibly? Things can be switched on their head in an instance. I, I suppose where Felipe needs to focus this year if he wants to put himself in that championship challenge is, is that, that consistency because looking at his previous results in the last two years remember it's his third year in Formula 2 now so he's really got to make it work you know he he goes through really strong spells of points but then he'll have a run of nothing and he's got to not do that this year he's got to get out of that sort of run of nothing even if it's only three or four rounds last year that was so costly because that's basically two whole weekends written off um and lots and lots of points that's six races almost what it was last year um so i would be tentative to place him in championship challenging uh all the way through but hey look if he carries on the way he's doing absolutely he is you know 45 points first in the championship lead fifth sixth third first that that those are great numbers to have so early on but new tracks coming up for him as well Imola and I, I I don't know I haven't got an answer for that really I'm back beating around the bush so much but I would like him to be in in the title fight for sure whether that is the case who knows because you've got unlikely people who we found you know at right at the back Teo Porcher had a poor weekend he's only got 25 points to his name at the moment so you, you'd expect him to be really challenging for the title but at the moment he's got a mountain to climb yeah, strong start to the season for Drogovic. Let's see if he can keep it up. Uh, and he was voted your driver of the round on social media as well on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. So deserved winner of that. Uh, another brilliant weekend for Richard Vashaw, LA. Uh, how strong a Trident looking this season as well, by the way. They're looking amazing, aren't they? 
Yeah, they're looking fantastic, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, not forgetting that they were F3 champions. So they, they do know what they're doing, this team, um, but not necessarily as successful in Formula 2. Um, if, if I've got my facts correct, um, they're, they're, they're equaling, I think, their best result in uh, the, the current Formula 2 uh, with 37 points at the moment, which, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll get some more and, and they'll beat that. It can only get better. Um, but with Richard, you know, it, it's it's no accident, um, maybe not so much in recent times, but if you look at his record, you know, he's got a lot of P1s by his name, you know, when he was a little bit bit younger in, in other categories. And this particular weekend, you know, he qualified in second um, sprint race. He was, what, fifth? And then he popped it into P2 for the feature race. And of course, he won the very first race of the season in Bahrain with the sprint race. So, you know, it's, it, there was a lot of accidents, you know, incidents, there's a red flags, there's all this going on. And he didn't happen upon these places accidentally, just by default. You know, he's put his car up there, the Trident team have put the car up there and they're getting the results. Perfect start to the season. Yeah, really, really strong start to the season for, for Trident and for Richard, for sure. Good for them. Uh, Liam Lawson, our sprint race winner. Lawrence, great drive from him in the sprint race. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, he'll be a bit disappointed not to be leading the championship off the back of this weekend, won't he? Maybe. I don't think leading the championship matters that much to him at this stage of, of the season. All the drivers, when they've spoken after Bahrain and after Jeddah, have been quite non-committal in, in predicting the rest of their seasons. Obviously very conscious that it is a long season this year. Um, but I think he'll be gutted to have missed out in the manner that he did, you know, knowing that he had such strong pace. And we saw that this wasn't a sprint race win, which he started on pole, led away whilst chaos ensued behind. He managed to come through the field, take advantage of misfortune for, for Dennis Hauger and got a really strong result and was looking dangerous in the, in the feature race. Um, and, you know, he would have loved to capitalise on that pace um, that he had in the Carlin. He was third um, and that incident was really unfortunate. It was, a, it was an unforced error. It has to go down as, um, I think it was the front left tyre just as the just as the uh, the gun went on, it it wasn't it wasn't clearly uh, tightening the wheel. The uh, the mechanic reaches for the other gun, and the the car gets released, and and that that wheel is is loose, and and that's the race over. It's amazing how quickly your fortunes can turn in this sport. Um, so I think that is particularly cruel um, for Liam Lawson, and and mentally must be so difficult to to process. Um, to have to go straight from that into post-race interviews, into race debriefs with your team. I think that would be really tough for him. Um, maybe the only slight consolation is that he has not been the only one that's been unfortunate that so far this season. You could place three of the key um, contenders for this title, Vips, Porcher and himself. Vips, of course, had, um, had misfortune in the, in the pits in the uh, in the feature race in Bahrain, and Porcher has had a really difficult time, mechanical failure in the in the first sprint race in Bahrain, and then again um, on two occasions this weekend, and that ruled him out of the out of the feature race yesterday. Um, so I think he'll be he'll be looking ahead to the rest of the season. He knows that he has the pace in that car, and the setup in with Carlin is is working. Um, so it's just a it's just a case of how he can make that up because. Drogovic, Porcher, all these drivers around him will be 
striving to achieve those same results you want you want to do as as much as you can yeah it's wide open this season isn't it and that's why we love formula two you just don't know what's going to happen next um liam lawson obviously four on was on for four podiums out of four so such a shame uh, at zoe does f1 on instagram asks how do you think the disruption in momentum will will disrupt liam lawson's title challenge or, or do you not think it, it'll disrupt it at all do you think he'll bounce back uh in imola and uh yeah get over it straight away I, I I think he'll he'll bounce back. He's he's got a, a fair few weeks until Imola. They've got testing in in Barcelona. He'll get back in that car and he'll presumably you know have the same good feeling in the car that he's had so far this season. And I think he'll have the self belief to go to Imola and take a big result. And I think he'll have the the resilience to just put that behind him. And you know he'll he'll prepare and the race in him will come out in Imola. And if he gets a good result there, then he won't even remember what happened this weekend. Formula 2 moves on so quickly, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah. Uh, Harry, Jehan Deruvela, uh, how, how how will he assess his weekend? I mean, it was an unbelievable driving a feature race, wasn't it? I mean, you know, driving, you know, 14th all the way up to third. But the fact that he was in uh, 14th in the first place probably be a little bit disappointing, wouldn't it? Oh, my man, Jehan. Um, he is... He's another one where, what, third third year in F2, part of that Red Bull Driver Academy, the pressure, oh, I wouldn't want to be Jayhan with that pressure on you right now. He's got, he has got to be going for the title. Otherwise, I just, I just find the way Helmut Mark and Red Bull have cast aside drivers in years gone by, I, I can't see what the positive outcome for Jayham will be if he doesn't get his championship up and running. You know, a second and a third, but the second was in the sprint race, so you don't get the full points for it. But, you know, it's not been an awful start for Jayham. And he proved that he's a good racer. And I think it was, was it Saudi last year as well, where he, he won on the road, but was given a 10-second a, a penalty, which was just so unlucky. And, and I felt a little bit unjust as well at the time. I don't think he deserved that. But... He hasn't had the luck on his side, but um, this it was a good weekend in terms of he he knows he can do it. So hopefully it gave him confidence that he is fast enough. He has got the race pace. Then the question comes from, well, what's happened to Prema this year? You know, why aren't they dominating? They seem to have been dominating for the last couple of years. What's going on? Is it a case of they've fallen back? I find that hard to believe with their resources. Or is it a case that the others have, just been able to catch up and, and Prima haven't made as much of a progression um, and we've got a, a bit of a tighter field and a jumbled up you know uh, standings at the moment you know some great results from the likes of you know Ayumu Iwasa who could have achieved much more but you know again Quali and, and you know bad luck and mistakes on his side Ralph Boschong you know that's a word for Ralph he could have got a lot more out of Saudi Arabia I think too but two fourth places to open his campaign in Bahrain an absolute stonking drive so for for Jayham with with that support from Red Bull, I think he needs to, he just needs to get his head down and just drive the wheels off that car as he did on race day in Saudi, and uh, and hope that he can he can really string for a challenge. But look, second race he's tied at the moment with Teo Porcher, who was equally a, a should be a championship contender as well. He needs to finish. I've said this before, and I think I've come on this podcast. Jayham needs to finish ahead of the other Red Bull. Uh, academy drivers particularly Liam Lawson 
Um, otherwise, uh, it, I don't, you know, that that move to, to Formula One, which he's hoping for, might not be on the cards. Yeah, and as you say, with Helmut Marco breathing down your neck, uh, yeah, you kind of want to string a few results together, don't you? So good uh, luck to him. Uh, LA, uh, another strong weekend for, for Jake Hughes and for, for Van Armsport Racing. I mean... You know what? What a story this is kind of turning into. You know the the new team. Uh, they you know it's such a shame as well, wouldn't it? They're, you know disqualified from the podium finish. Um, yeah. What did you make of his weekend and uh, and VAR's weekend? I, I kind of feel like I want to say it was. It's just crazy. It, it's and it's a crazy story and it feels crazy. Um, because you know we all know that Van Amersfoort do have a very good record. You know in other series and other categories. Um, but obviously they're new to F two this season. Uh, you know not knowing anything about it, they worked incredibly hard last year to to produce this Formula Two car. And Jake is really very confident in this car. Um, and and I feel that they've picked a very good driver in Jake. We, we've never really been able to see his true potential, to be fair, not in Formula 2, because, you know, he's just sort of picked and thrown in every now and again, wasn't he, uh, for, you know, for a couple of seasons. And it looked really sad for him at one point. Um, you know, I remember interviewing him last year when he didn't, have, apart from Formula E as reserve driver, he, he had nowhere to go. And it, it felt sort of like it was going to be one of those stories where, you know, you know, there are good drivers in, in these series and in these feeder series. And so many fall by the wayside. And I do think that that's what's quite heartbreaking about this sport, that so many just just never get that chance and that opportunity. But to me, it kind of feels like the universe really wants Jake Hughes to be a Formula 2 driver. You know, it's just keep, keep, keep throwing him in, get him in. Somehow this guy is going to race these cars. And um, this VAR car, just, it just looks great, doesn't it? I mean, I know it's not been perfect. And I know that, you know, starting on the line, they're getting bogged down a bit. They've got a bit of work to do. But he's qualifying pretty handy places. He's, you know, he's up there. And gutting is, <laughs> I don't know what other word to use, <laughs> the disqualification. But as we've seen this weekend, there's been a few all around. There's been a lot of incidents and accidents and all sorts of, horrible situations including the pit lane stuff you know that, that you've already talked about so the, the the jake is doing amazing with this car he really is doing amazing the team are doing a fantastic job i know that they know they can finish higher i know they know they can get better results and they're gonna get it there's no question and wouldn't it just be a magical story for them to be team's champion or Jake to be driver's champion at the end of this season. What a fairy tale that could be. It really would be, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, great start to the season for, for him. Lawrence, there was a, a little bit of confusion in, in the sprint race. Uh, obviously, Dennis Hauger uh, coming into the pits when, uh, well, race control closed the pit lane, then they opened it. And uh, I don't think you quite knew what was going on. I don't think we knew what was going on. Uh, at Milo Collins 54 on Twitter, uh, asked, did race control mess up a little bit with the pit lane confusion that ruined Halga's race? Uh, and, and what can be done in the future to, to prevent that from, from happening again? I, th I think I think there's definitely an argument to say that the race control uh, messed up there. It was, it was the most bizarre incident, wasn't it? Um, it seemed um, on the live broadcast that the message from race control to go through the pit lane and the message that the pit lane was closed actually um, were released during the same minute. 
Um, so you can understand why there's been some some visible <laughs> confusion for Hauger and and for his team. And clearly, he's been told at some stage that he has to to go through the pits. And for whatever reason, that message that you have to have to stay out hasn't got through to him. Um, that being said, Hauger does have to take some responsibility for that um, for that mistake because above all else, you have to follow the flags and the and the signs that are there on the circuit. They are more reliable than any radio communication you might be getting from the team. Um, you have to follow double-waved yellows. All these sorts of things can indicate imminent danger far before any any radio message. Obviously, he's got a lot going on. He doesn't have a good view out of the cockpit, um, but it was in another unforced area, error and a very costly one at that. Um, and then, of course, getting the stop-and-go penalty as well, just adding insult to injury. Um, you know, he's he's not had the ideal start to the season. So much of so much was expected of him at the at the start. And at the end of the day, he is a rookie and we should allow him some time to to adjust to Formula Two. When finally he gets this opportunity to score some good points, this happens to him. We say it again, look how quickly your fortunes can change in, in Formula Two. Um so he'll be he'll be really gutted with, with that. Was was the penalty a bit harsh, Harry? I mean, he's already at the back. Come on, like to give him a penalty on top of that is uh, well. What do you think? <sighs> yeah, it was at first when I watched uh, the the first replay. I I didn't see I didn't see the lighting panel um, with the cross in it. So I was like, I was very much on how fighting Hauger's side there. I was like, why, why on earth have they done that? They, you know, they must have put it up just as he literally turned left. But then I had a little rewatch of it, and yeah, it is pretty, pretty obvious that it, the pit lane was closed with that big red X. And then to be given a penalty on top of that, it's just, oh, it was just, it, it was all the things that could possibly go wrong did go wrong. The team were told pit lane fine. But then if Hauger saw the flag, so there's the, clearly the communication wasn't quite there. But then again, you're tight on time. So how good can the communication really be when you're literally talking about, you know, as Lawrence said, those messages were given out in the same minute. So, you know, 30 seconds apart, should we say? Like, Jesus, you know, and I, I feel like I feel like the, the, the additional penalty was a little bit unnecessary and just compounded what was already a bit of a disaster. Um and I, I don't know whether race control felt that they just had to make a, an example of that. Um, as we've seen race control and race direction very much being quite harsh and, and, and just straightforward, I suppose, in their penalties. But this one was out of everything that occurred over the weekend was a little bit, bit dodge to, uh, for lack of a more sophisticated phrase. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, felt really sorry for him, but, it is what it is. He'll bounce back. Yeah, tough, tough start to the season for Dennis Hauger. But as you say, he he's a great driver and he will bounce back. Great weekend of action in Jeddah, wasn't it? All right, let's move away from Formula 2. We don't do this very often, but we'll move away from Formula 2 on the F2 show. Uh, because, Harry, we're going to come to you. It's the Motormouth Charity Karting Day coming up this Thursday. Uh, tell us a little bit more, more about it. Oh, how exciting. Um, yes, it is the Motormouth Charity Karting event. For those who don't know, um, my other uh, one of my other jobs is uh, co-hosting another podcast. Uh, we're not a rival, don't worry. It's called the Motormouth Podcast, and uh, we uh, interview lots of interesting people from the world of motorsport, whether they're drivers or behind-the-scenes managers, 
they've usually got a really cool story to tell. It's usually about their life story in motorsport. Um, and uh, we put on a karting day last year at Wilton Mill, um, which is not too far away from Silverstone in the UK, um, all for, to raise money for the Brain Tumor Charity. Uh, and it was about, I think, 20 or so public entry teams um, who pay to be there, and that goes to charity. And then we get a, uh, they each get a celebrity from the world of motorsport, be that uh, an influencer, a broadcaster, or an actual professional racing driver, um, to help them navigate uh, a two and a half hour endurance race. And um, I believe the Inside F2 team were there last year as well. I'm, I can't remember where you finished, but I'm not sure it was on the podium. Um, 13th. So, we finished 13th. 13th. That's not yeah. too shabby, actually, considering how many people were on. That's not too shabby. So, you know, I think there were there were worse teams there. Um, so it's a really fun day out. Um, all the teams are, are fully booked now because it's only a few days away. But everyone, you know, punters are welcome to, to turn up on the day and, and watch. And there's a bar and food and drink as well that's, that's on offer. Um, and I think it was a really fun day last year. And this year we're raising money once again for the Brain Tumor Charity, but also for Movember as well. So yeah, so it should be hopefully a really nice day. It's, it's wouldn't be, uh, it would be remiss of me actually to not mention Tim Sylvie, who is literally the backbone of Motormouth and who without um, it, it would not be happening, simple as. So uh, he really p- pulls out all the stops. So we've got a great list uh, of uh celebrities coming including formula two driver liam lawson shall be there uh we've got a formula three driver kush Miney is going to uh, be coming as well amongst many a broadcaster a youtuber an influencer there'll be somebody there you know um so yeah do come along if you're around it's on thursday the 31st of march from about midday in wilton mill come along it's a brilliant brilliant day harry just how can people donate if they want to donate uh, and how can people follow on the day if they want to keep if they can't make it but they want to keep up to date with the action those are good questions that i should have already covered off um so you can the whole thing will be live streamed um through the motormouth youtube channel if you want to uh, go over there and click that old subscribe button um but you'll see it all there live streamed also um ways to donate if you go to the motormouth socials just at motormouth uh underscore on twitter and then at motormouth underscore official i think on instagram um there are links there which take you to we have uh, either direct uh links where you can just donate some money or we also have a auction site as well um which i will uh, try and find a bit more details for as i talk but it's basically loads of uh, amazing kind of or like motorsport prizes but um you know you could even win like a dinner party for uh, for 10 people i think that's all catered for but um and you can basically bid for for however much uh, you want to uh, put on that which is great um and that's in the motormouth bio on instagram as well um and uh the charity auction site you can use the hashtag mm race as well it's all being hosted through emma live emma-live.com so that's where uh, you can find the uh charity donations or just head to motormouthcartrace.com and all the details are there but you could even win lunch with mr lamborghini i say win you can place a bid and then if you get the highest one you might be able to win right now there's a minimum minimum bid on that for 1495 quid so jesus so uh yeah so and of course it all goes to charity so it's all going to a great place um so loads of stuff so have a look on there if there's anything you like to um but yeah motormouthcartrace.com which will have literally everything all the ways to donate uh, to both charities either or um so yeah a good day out hopefully and, and lots of money raised 
Absolutely. And we'll get producer James to put the links in the bio as well. So, uh, yeah, if you're watching right now, hopefully you can look down there and it's, uh, yeah, in the in the bio or in the comments or wherever you are watching from. Uh, but, yeah, Thanks, brilliant, brilliant James. day. Thanks, producer James. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, that's all we have time for today. My thanks to Harry, to LA and to Lawrence for joining me on today's show. And thank you to you guys at home for watching as well. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you give it a like. Subscribe. Please subscribe. Don't just watch the show. Subscribe. Press the button. Subscribe. All right. Uh, and hashtag the F2 show to get involved in the conversation as well. Uh, but from me, Fraser Ford and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.